Hello and welcome to the Hear Me Now podcast. The purpose of this project is to share how I was groomed by my youth pastor and was silent for years, but my journey continues today. Hear me now. Welcome back to the Hear Me Now podcast. My name is Elizabeth McGill and today I'm going to start by reading a statement that I wrote wrote whenever um, I confronted the pastor at a meeting with the church staff. So I'm going to go into that right now. It says, I wanted to start by thanking Pastor Sam and Monica for taking this as serious as it should be and taking so much of their time to help me. Second, I want to tell Melissa how sorry I am that this happened. It's truly terrible and I can't imagine how you're feeling. So I started going to the Glory Church when I was just 14 years old. I couldn't even drive myself. The grooming started that same year as I was between 14 and 15. It was a process that didn't just include me, but two other girls my age, both my best friends at the time. We have all been groomed by him, knowing and unknowingly. We looked up to him as our pastor and spiritual father. He gained our trust by getting us close to him and his wife, going out to eat after youth service, having us babysit, come over to their house after service on Sundays. He was the father figure we all really needed at the time because I was in a very vulnerable place with my own father and he knew that. Once we were all closer than ever, that's when the confiding, complaining, and ranting went on about his marriage. We all felt bad and honestly didn't know what to do or say because what do 14-year-olds know about marriage or relationships? He started to get our sympathy. Even though we loved Melissa, he had a way of convincing us to be on his side. Still going out to eat, babysitting, hanging out during the during the summers. For some reason, over time, he started to talk to me more than the other girls. More texts and Snapchats would come to me first regarding plans that included the whole group. All communication, uh, for some reason, started to go through me. I didn't understand why at first, but we all had talked about how I was the most mature. I was a mom friend of the group, so I deemed that to be the reason. Moving forward... A little bit, I honestly don't remember how the first times the compliments and hints at what he was trying to really say happened. My first memory of a conversation was a time only four of us, my two best friends, me and him, were hanging out and I remember him saying if he was single, he would want to marry me. Then it turned into if I left my wife, I would want to marry you and then fantasizing to what our life would be when that was to happen. Me being a stepmom to those sweet babies and everything. I remember being in a constant state of shock because how can my pastor be saying these things to me? I'm only 15. I think the girls and I were in a state of shock and confusion. Like I said, we were all groomed just in two different ways. My way was grooming me to be a wife and the other way he groomed the other two girls was to gain undoubtable trust, almost like you're under a spell. You know what happened, but it doesn't matter because it's Pastor Austin. Anyway, all the talk became action by asking me to meet alone for coffee or little things like telling me to always sit in the front seat, trying to get me to cuddle with him in bed while on a mission trip. I had never felt more trapped and uncomfortable in my life. Eventually, it turned into open comments about my appearance and even sexual comments. Things ended when I was 18 and left the church, but even here recently, he is um, going around talking down to my boyfriend Garrett, trying to get others not to like him. Like he's still trying to keep me to himself, so it's still going on. I just recently told my parents about this because I just couldn't hold it in anymore. It was 
the one thing that was holding me back from completely letting, letting go of my past. It took me four years to come out and tell people about this, but I'm glad I finally did. Abused girls turn into vocal women, and the truth will always come out. I hope y'all take this situation seriously and really think about who you are friends and employees with. Well, well, well. So you had to come to this moment where you had to write this letter because mm-hmm. you were going to present it. Right. How how were you when you were writing it and thinking about what you were writing and reliving what you were writing? It was very hard. Um, I would cry writing it. It took me a long time. I would do little uh, sessions of it because I couldn't take a lot at one time. Um, it brought up a lot of feelings, a lot of um, trauma, mm-hmm. and it was hard. I mean, knowing that I had to read that in front of him was the scariest thing for me, yeah. but I also knew that was going to be a bigger impact if I actually went through with it and wrote it yeah. and said it that day. Tell, tell me about the power um, that you felt when you, when you were writing. Like, why, like, would you recommend to a young lady who's gone through a situation like yours to write? Yes, definitely. Even if they're just going to keep it to themselves, um, getting it out of your brain (laughs) and onto paper is absolutely important with everything. It doesn't have to be with a situation like this. It can be your day-to-day life. But getting it out of your head and physically writing it, it helps 100%. You had to sum up the courage to read it. In mm-hmm. front of a pretty large group. Yeah. You had to read it in front of Austin, in front of the group, in front of the leadership of the church. Mm-hmm. And how does one or how would you recommend someone gain that courage? Here, Here's what I, I, I feel like I would freeze. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like that just the pressure of doing it is enough to keep someone from doing it. And hence why people take so long to come out and say something yeah so honestly I wrote it printed it out got to the meeting and I was convinced that I was going to give um, pastor Monica my paper to read because I just didn't think I could do it but um, he gave his statement my mom gave a statement and then it was my turn and you I was like you know what it's not gonna make as big of an impact as it needs to be if I don't say it no matter because I was already crying you know having to hear um his statement my mom's statement and then um mine I was already in tears because it was already um an extremely emotional experience in front of a whole group of people after I kept it to myself for so long but I just I don't know I just said you know what you need to do this it's gonna be impactful Mm -hmm coming from my mouth, my words. So I just did it. And it's scary, but you know what? After I said it and read my whole statement, I felt very powerful, actually. I felt um, like it was my moment. I kept it in for so long, and here I am saying it, confronting him, um, explaining why I waited so long. Um, like I said, abused girls grow up to be vocal women, and that is a, that's true. You know, you can't children can't deal with their trauma and come out with it at the same time. So if it takes yeah. a couple years, that's okay. I agree. So it it's difficult enough to to come out and say anything, 
And in, in this podcast, in your journey, Elizabeth, you, you know, your goal is to encourage young people to say something mm -hmm. or wherever, whatever age these people find themselves to come out and say something. So coming up to this meeting, there's an expectation that you were looking for. Okay. Yes. And to be honest, the expectation wasn't met. But no. Tell me what no. you were expecting and then tell me a little bit about the reality. And the reason I say this is because I don't don't let the reality kind of blind you mm -hmm. from your goal of why you set it. Mm -hmm. Like the outcome for the most part, my my assumption that is it's not going to be what you want, right? Mm -hmm. But the point is, is that you want to be heard, mm -hmm. right? So what were your expectations yeah. and then what was reality? Okay. So my expectation from that day was set on my stepdad, Kevin. I actually met up with Pastor Austin um, a couple weeks before the meeting and he confronted him. And he asked, you know, questions. Did you do this to my daughter? Um, tell me what you did, you know, et cetera, you know, doing the whole dad thing. And he confessed to every single thing. He told Kevin, I am a predator. Austin said, I am a predator. And I did do all these things. And I don't know how you don't have me on the floor beating me up. So I heard that. Um, and I was like, okay. So, you know what? He's going to confess. He's going to mm. do, you know, he's going to go in with it and he's going to be a man about it and say what he did. So, my expectations that day were I was going to go in. He was going to read a statement. He was going first and he was going to confess to what he did and say how he was going to do things better, apologize, and then it was going to be my mom's turn, then my turn, and we're going to be good. So, we got to the meeting and... Um, Walking in there was crazy, first of all. Um, walked in, everybody was staring at me, and um, sat down, and he started his statement, and he never explained why we were in the meeting. Um, he never confessed any, like, if he didn't, I'm sorry, if he didn't, um, well, if we didn't say anything, you would think that meeting was like a quarterly meeting, you know, like, we're not going to... Uh, we're going to do better as a church. We're gonna, not going to sweep anything under the rug. We're going to do better, starting yeah. with me. That sounds like a quarterly meeting for a church, man. I mean, I was in shock. I was just waiting the whole time, sitting there like, okay, okay, when is he going to say it? And then he just sat down. Yeah. So I was like, okay. So that kind of started the meeting off a little bit weird. And then my mom read her statement, and then I read my statement, and um, he never confessed to anything. He never apologized. Um, How do you feel knowing that the truth was said, but then the truth wasn't shared? Um, at the time, I was disgusted. I had to leave the room. Um, but now, I don't know if this is good or bad, but I mean, I feel better about it because it just shows how much... He is lying, and yeah. he is manipulating the whole situation. So, so when the, the characteristic still shows up, right? Like, trying to control this the the situation and the storyline and mm -hmm. everything. It's still like it, it's a character trait, except mm -hmm. it's showing in a different manner than it did whenever you were younger. Mm -hmm. And um, it makes me feel better knowing that when Kevin had his meeting with him, he recorded it. 
so his confession is on tape and we also recorded our um meeting here with the whole church so we have one-on-one him confessing to everything saying he is a predator blah blah and then we have him saying "Mm, i didn't you know i'm not gonna say i did anything i'm sorry if i made you uncomfortable that was the closest thing i got to an apology after i read my statement and explained how he had me in a bed (laughs) i don't know how his i'm sorry if i made you feel uncomfortable was like okay in his mind to say but so coming out or speaking up right like i I need to be heard and i'm going to share what happened when a person comes to that I feel like it's almost guaranteed that the predator or the groomer is going to deny, deny, deny mm-hmm. and try to cover up or try to make less of it. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's just let's just say that that's typically what's going to happen. Right. How does how does that make you feel? And here's the other part. If I if I was young and if I was a girl, let's just say uh, that wouldn't encourage me to want to be heard mm-hmm. because I'm going to come across someone who can manipulate, mm-hmm. cover up, and ignore what I'm about to do. But their response to me would not be my goal. But how would you encourage someone? Because that's there's a good chance that that's what's going to happen. Yeah. So that is what happened. Um I didn't know this, but before the meeting, he got the church staff together and said, um, you know, we have this meeting tomorrow. I don't know why she's doing this. She's coming after my family. Whatever you're going to hear from her is lies. It's crazy. She's crazy, blah, blah, blah. I didn't know that. So I walked in there um, thinking I'm going to drop a bomb on all these people, but they just looked at me like I was crazy. They thought I was crazy. So that definitely um, was a hard pill to swallow that – not only did it take me a long time to come out about it because I was scared of how people would react, but also on top of it, he went behind my back and tried to manipulate the people that I was coming out to and trying to make me seem crazy. So it's hard. Yeah. I, I already knew, I knew he would make a make this hard, um, but I just didn't care. I was like, I don't care how, he's, how hard he's going to make it. I'm going to come out with it and he's going to, be held accountable um but it's a lot he's playing it a lot harder than I thought he would but it's worth it I mean I know I'm telling the truth and so your truth means like before you go and you want to be heard and and you know confront the individual or the organization Mm -hmm. you have to be sure in your truth Mm -hmm. how can you do that what, what what would you tell a young girl to to build her truth up? Like to say you have to stand alone mm-hmm. for a little while. Yeah. It's gonna be hard, but believe what you're doing is right, mm-hmm. and then and move forward. Because without that, everything else is against. Yeah, a it young only- person like you, Elizabeth. Everything mm-hmm. was against you. If you would have known the outcome, mm-hmm. no one's gonna care. They're gonna try to you know, sweep it under the rug and keep it silent and say that you're a liar. And if you would have known all that beforehand, to me, it's almost like, is it even worth it? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. But, but we want to encourage people, even knowing that mm-hmm. say something. Right. And so I, I didn't want 
this to go um, public at all. I just wanted to tell my parents because, like I said, it bothered me Mm. that how much they were giving to him. So honestly, I just came out to my parents and I thought that's as far as it was going to go. And then, you know, the whole we had the whole meeting and I was at the same time. It was like two sides. I was oh my gosh, yes, he's going to get what he deserves, his, you know, accountability he needs. Um, but then also I was, another little voice was saying, you know, nothing's going to happen. Like, why are we doing all this? Why are we going through all this trouble? Why am I putting myself through all this emotional trauma to spill everything in front of a group of people who aren't going to believe me, you know, because who's going to believe a I'm 22. He's, I don't even know how old he is. He's a pastor of a whole church. He has a whole church. He has kids. Who's going to believe me? But um, it only takes one person. And you actually shared the Larry Nassar podcast. It's Believed. I, I, yeah. I believed. You can look it up. You can, it's, it's a podcast based on Larry Nassar. He was a trainer for the Olympic team. And, it, and in the podcast, you, you learn a lot about grooming and, and the worst of the worst. And that's what she's um, talking about. I'll, I'll put a link on the description on, on this podcast. So, mm-hmm. And um, it was actually that podcast that made me, made me um, truly realize it only takes one person. And it's hard to be that one person. And it's draining. And it's... It's just really hard, but um, who you don't know who else you're going to help yeah. or say from the same person, from a different person. Um, so I don't, there's, I don't know if I'm the only one, but I can't let that fear stop me because what if there is someone else that he's done this to or done worse to, done a little bit less? I don't know, but I can't go with living my life knowing. I could have helped stop it. So that's just what kind of kept me going. There's an interesting dynamic that happens whenever someone is groomed or, uh, you know, God forbid something worse happened. Time passes, right? Five, six, 10, 12 years. Mm -hmm. And the individual, if they had influence and never stopped growing, they'd continue to grow their influence. They'd have a family they would appear to have more to lose and it would make you feel like, well, his wife doesn't necessarily, she wasn't, it wasn't her fault. The kids weren't around. Like he didn't have a church back then. Mm -hmm. How can you, and my my suggestion to a young person would be, you got to ignore that. Mm -hmm. Like I, I understand that it exists, but you have to go back to when it happened and what happened to you. And then let that be your encouragement because there's going to be so much coming against you. Mm -hmm. How did you come to terms to say, you know what? The repercussions of me saying something could destroy his marriage it could destroy his relationship with his kids and it could destroy the church you know that's a lot it's just not your cross to bear mm-hmm. i'm not saying that but people will look at care, that guilt and say man i can't i can't live with that yeah and and you shouldn't and, and it's not your fault but how do you come to terms with that because that's a lot to take to take down or take in yeah so those Years that I didn't see him, I think it was four years that I left the church. People don't really think about what I was doing in that time. I was going to therapy. I was dealing with um, 
trauma that happened before I even knew him. Um, I was dealing with trauma that happened while I knew him, um, dealing with trauma from him and trauma after him. So I was dealing with while becoming a woman, first of all, um, (laughs) like graduating high school, going to college, you know, um, starting working, becoming a, a woman on top of dealing with trauma, dealing with everything. Um, I was doing that during those years. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't just sitting back, living my best life and then come back around and be like, Hey, I'm gonna call you out now. No, it was, I dealt with my trauma. I came to terms with it. I realized my value, realized I'm not going to be silent about this anymore. And that's when I came out, you know? So, um, yeah, it was hard to, it was hard to think that, um, me coming out with this could potentially ruin his marriage, his church, but I feel like those aren't, um, on a firm foundation if he's lying about Mm -hmm. all this. So I just had to separate myself from, why should I feel bad about all these things that could, you know, mess up in his life when he didn't care what he was doing to me and how yeah. it affected me still to this day, yeah. you know? So your, your truth was so important at that time because if it's not strong enough, there's a lot gonna, that's going to come against you to keep you silenced. Mm-hmm. Like, that's why I think so many young ladies remain silent, if not forever, for a long time. Mm-hmm. And they have to walk around with that. Yeah. Let's talk about, let's talk a little bit about what's changed in your life. And what, what do you want to bring to this world to make it a better place? Mm -hmm. What's Elizabeth? What are people going to say about you? What do you want to be known for? Mm -hmm. And why are you choosing to share your story, share what's going on and what you learned? What, what do you want to accomplish? So me coming out, with this um created a whole new sense of freedom that i never felt because i was walking around with this on my shoulders for six seven years Mm -hmm. and um so i want to do that for other girls and i realize how hard it is um (laughs) being you know lied about saying i'm crazy no one believing me um i want to be someone other girls or boys can look at and be like, listen, this happened to me. And if, if I'm the only person that will believe them, then I will be the only person that will believe them. And I want to help them confront whoever did it. Um, I want to open an, or start a nonprofit. Um, they hear me now organization and, um, just be there to help, um, with, you know, law enforcement, if FBI is needed, um, lawyers i just want to be that person they can come to and it's not so scary and and stepping into you're learning how hard it is Mm -hmm. to get someone to hear you and how hard it is to have someone do something so in learning this you're going to make it a lot easier for someone else yeah i can be the easy um (laughs) middleman like they can instead of um I don't know, like in my situation, if there was someone in between me and Pastor Austin, that would make me feel a little bit better, you know, to go to someone that I can trust, but isn't so scary. And down below in the comments, we're going to put an email 
It's Elizabeth's email, and this email will follow her and her organization. Send your story if you feel like, you know what, I, I haven't shared this with no one. Write a letter and, and start sending them in mm-hmm. if you're listening to this. And that's the first step. Yeah. And it might be your time to be heard. Mm-hmm. And it's not going to be easy and it's not going to be what you expect. But you may be saving someone else. Mm-hmm. But a lot of people are going to hurt in that process. Yeah. In your situation, your parents knew and you said, I'm going to be fine with that. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say nothing. Like, I'm just going to, I'm going to tell them and I'm going to move on. Tell me about that middle person that you were describing. So, um, like that middle person, as it was my parents. Yeah. Or what, well, who was that for you? My mom. Which in the future, they're going to be, you're going to be that for someone. Yeah. What, what, did, what did your mom bring to the table? How does she walk you through it to, mm-hmm. to bring you to the point where you said, I'm gonna, I, I need to say something. Mm-hmm. So my mom has always been my number one. She's, she's my rock. Um, she's always been, I can come to her with anything and she won't ever get angry. She won't ever be visibly disappointed, even yeah. if you know she is. Um, it's a lesson to moms. Mm-hmm. It's important if she would have been mean yeah. or cut you off or try to correct you before you even finished, then she could have shut you out. Yeah. And then you wouldn't or couldn't have come to her even with mm-hmm. this. And she has always believed me about everything. No matter what I say, she'll say, okay, how, you know, what are we going to do? And so, just being comfortable with her, um, it did take me a while, yes, but I had to, um, I had to come to terms with it myself, and then then I was ready to come to her. Mm-hmm. So I mean, she was. Whenever I told her, she didn't say, "Not pastor, no, not a pastor, no, you're lying, come on," or or like, "Do you really think he meant it like that?" She never was like that. She said, "What did he do?" And you can tell me the whole story. You can tell me in your time. So I just told her the basics. Man, he was grooming me since I was 14. Um, I don't feel comfortable with y'all, you know, giving so much to someone that, honestly, I feel like doesn't deserve it because of what he did to me. And that was enough for her to say, oh, we're done. We're not going to be on executive board anymore. I trust my daughter. I don't care what she says. I'm going to believe her 100%. And we're going to figure out what to do so she was my my middleman that's great so you said something about a recording Mm -hmm. do you see yourself sharing it with with the podcast audience yes i would because um honestly if it wasn't for that recording i don't think um as many people believe me as they do now after they heard it. Um, that's like my saving grace, honestly, during this whole thing. Because, you know, messages have been deleted. I've been blocked on things. So I can't physically um, prove certain things. But his recording and his confession has helped tremendously. Yeah. And so if you're listening, whether you're a parent, a young girl, young boy, if you're deciding to come out and say something, get you know, start getting your ducks in order. Mm-hmm. Start retrieving emails and text and photos 
and screenshot them, you know, because all that stuff, the longer you wait, the less chance that you have of retrieving it. There's ways, you know, to use certain organizations to retrieve stuff. But as Elizabeth has learned that it does have its limits depend because there's two individuals involved, mm-hmm. two different phones or emails. Yeah. And so maybe that's something that you can do. Mm-hmm. And even that can help someone come to terms and build that confidence and say, you know what? Oh, yeah. Looking at everything in front of me, you know, at a glance, d- something that didn't, that shouldn't have happened to me has happened. Because sometimes you don't even want to realize it. Sometimes you want to say, oh, it was my fault. Mm-hmm. I was flirting and I was too nice or it was my fault like you know people tend to think it's their fault but when you're young Mm -hmm. and it's an older individual they know what they're doing and the outcome that they're seeking more than you Mm -hmm. more than you do right right what do we have in line for the next podcast for the next episode um, We're going to have a, a guest. Yes. So I have mentioned her before. Her name's Afsa. She's my best friend. Um, she's the reason I started going to the church. Um, in my statement, I mentioned there's two other girls. She's one of them. And she witnessed the whole thing. I mean, she was there um, at the mission trip that he had me um, get in his bed. And then... Um, at the Bible study that he mentioned about my hair, pulling my hair. She was there. I mean, she was there for everything. She knew everything. She saw every text. She was there. So she's going to come and just tell her experience. And, I mean, she was a victim, too, of his being groomed and manipulated. Um, So it's just another outlook on the whole situation. I've learned so much from you, Elizabeth. And here's one thing that that I learned. I'll I'll, I'll say this, and that that'll be my final statement for this episode. Then you give a final statement. In grooming, we all think that it's grooming um, just for selfish sexual reasons. Okay, and that is one and the major one that we all need to be very wary of. But there's other types of grooming, and that is grooming someone to be silent. In grooming someone to be a participant, Mm -hmm. right? Because the odds of something or you being available increase if you have a friend or two friends next to you Mm -hmm. that trust the same leader, the same individual. And so in essence, you have to work on all three so that all three are on your side. And so I say that just so that you can be aware if you're listening to this, that it comes in different manners, and it's not necessarily, it, you may be getting groomed to stay quiet. Mm-hmm. You may be getting played, in other words, so that you don't say nothing yeah. and you think it's okay. And even that could be a sign. That could be a sign for a breakthrough mm-hmm. or, for, or to encourage someone to say something. Yeah. Um, I definitely, if you kind of can relate to that like oh I've, I've seen something and I felt like I can't go forward if you see something or hear something say something that's one thing that I've learned um it could be something so small I'd rather be wrong than let something slide that turns out to actually be really bad so if you see something hear something say something yeah and also um I just wanted to say well I am going to start the organization, the Hear Me Now organization. Um, and I'm 
also fighting to get the law changed um, that grooming is illegal locally to local police. So it's a federal crime to the FBI to groom. But right now. Right now. And but locally, that's where you kind of hit some roadblocks. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I went to the local police just to try to um, start the whole process. And they, the police officer was very nice. Um, I still, we're still in communications with him, but he said, you know what? I'm sorry this happened and I realize it's wrong, but there is no law that he has broken locally. Um, if you want to take it to the FBI, take it to the FBI because he has broken a federal law. So, I mean, we took it to the FBI, but I think that's crazy because who do you call you, there's not a number to FBI. Yeah, yeah we yeah. all think if something goes wrong in our local community, we call 911. Mm-hmm. That's where we think our answers and solutions are going to be. Yeah, and that's it's not that in this situation. And so my thinking is if it's a federal crime, <laughs> that's so much worse than, you know, like a misdemeanor that you get at your local police department. If it's a big federal crime, it should be a crime locally so um i'm gonna try to get that law changed so maybe it's not so scary for people to come out um because if they realize oh i'm gonna have to be talking to the fbi how do i talk to the fbi um i'm scared to talk to the fbi they can just go to their local police department and i think i think in this podcast we're gonna you know if you're listening you're gonna learn some terminology and you're gonna learn the way to present your case, to present what happened to you so yes. people take you more serious. That way they know. I mean, grooming is a serious matter because it it's just one step away from something very, very, very bad happening. And mm-hmm. I think that that's enough to say that, that we should take it a little more serious as a local community. And so yeah. we, we're going to learn a lot on this podcast, Elizabeth. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's all we got for today. You want yes. to say your goodbyes for today, and then we'll tell everybody to tune in next week. Yes. So um, I just wanted to thank you all for listening to my statement. First of all, that was a big thing um, I had to do, so I'm glad I said it on this podcast. And um, two, I want to thank you all for listening, even if it's just a couple people um i'm learning as i go you know sam's learning as he goes nobody knows really what we're doing (laughs) we're just trying (laughs) to figure it out and help other people so we're being everybody else's guinea pig which i'm glad to do i'd rather me do it than somebody else struggle so we're figuring it out Mm -hmm. and we're going to make it easier for other people that need to come forward and so yeah i just thank you all for paying attention and hearing me So thank y'all. We'll see you on the next one. Yes. Bye.